everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. You're listening to Transforming Conversations with Heinrich Titus. This episode is part of a series of conversations with this year's Convergence speakers. Shafa is 30 years old this year, and we're gearing up for a big celebration with fantastic speakers lined up to share their knowledge and speak into our movement. This episode features Mads Dazel, a pastoral counselor who is well-equipped to talk about mental health in the church. Mads has been training church counselors in South Africa for over 15 years and has written more than 12 courses on self-care, community care, and pastoral care. Uh, I think we all know that during COVID, you know, just the tremendous pressure that was placed on people uh, in terms of just um, psychological pressure and the isolation and, and all of those things, which um, added to the, the great pressure that South Africans were under already. I think mm. our stats say mm. something like, well, it's a 23 suicides um, per day, thereabouts, that we, we yeah. have. And those are just the known, the known ones, of course. And about 10 times that number uh, of people actually uh, attempt suicide. Uh, millions of people in our country suffering from depression and uh, in spite of all of our technological advancements uh, uh, and all the help that's out there, it seems as if things are just uh, just getting worse. Uh, I know that um, the, the crisis helpline, the suicide helpline uh, in our country, that's just being overwhelmed. The pastors are feeling overwhelmed with, with all of the, the counselling pressure. Um, you know, and so really from our, our heart, it was really just to think about how can we sort of... Um, bring the spiritual and the, the practical component of ministering healing to people. How can we bring that together? And um, and really, that's why we're excited um, to be partnering with someone like you, Matt. And, yeah. and I was wondering, maybe just as a as a, a foundation for us, maybe just a little bit more about yourself. Uh, um, obviously, just professionally, we know that you you yeah. love counseling, you love just getting in there and helping people. But who's yeah. Matt's the, the person? Uh, what's, <laughs> who's, who's behind the counselor? Oh, <laughs> uh. So yeah, I um, my name is Mads. I am married to my husband Dennis, and we have two boys, Joshua and Levi. They're eight and nine. And yeah, I've um, I'm an adventurer. Uh, I used to surf before I lived in Joburg. I don't get to surf much anymore. <laughs> um, I also used to play the drums. So I'm a I'm, I'm a muso. And uh, yeah, I've just always had an adventure and passion for life. I, I believe in kind of holistic living, in terms of just you know, kind of enjoying adventure, enjoying life. Uh, yeah. I want my boys to have a passion for for those spaces. So, yeah, and then uh, that's a little bit about the behind yeah. the counsellor. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did the surfer, <laughs> the adventurer, get involved in impression uh, counselling, which um, yeah. I think on the one hand can seem like, can seem like something quite heavy, you know, from yeah. maybe yeah. from somebody who isn't as passionate about it or just from an outside perspective. Yeah. You think of counselling, think uh, quite a few people can think man that's a heavy road yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. people's burdens and sort of yeah. hearing the worst of what's happening to humanity mm. how, how, that adventurer in you and the, the counselor mm. I mean how did those two things come to come together <laughs> um it was actually because of my own personal journey and I first saw a counselor when I was 16 and yeah. um that counselor journeyed with me through a lot of my kind of past um that I needed to unpack and process uh, and it was actually in my 20s when I was living in the UK that she encouraged me to, to study counseling. She thought I had a natural aptitude towards it. Um, I don't think I realized then what I was getting myself into. Um, 
But even though I'm really loving the space, it was just something that I thought, yeah, I think I could do this, you know. I've always had a mind that kind of loves to solve things and kind of understand Mm. things. Um, And then it was actually in my 30s that she inspired me uh, by taking me to go visit a whole bunch of counseling centers in South Africa as as a vision of kind of the potential of what counseling can be. And um, it was actually in my 40s when I when I launched my first uh, Christian counseling conference and I got to honor the same counselor that counseled me as, as a teenager. So, you know, almost 30 decades of my life was influenced by a counselor that that saw me grow into um, into who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, counseling is not just unpacking a person's story. Counseling is also unpacking potentially a person's destiny and legacy, you know, and, and for me, counseling over the years has even become missional. Um, as I see counseling become a bridge between the church and local communities that are desperate for hope. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just evolved over the years and become more and more, um, for me, exciting. I, I didn't realize I had a passion for teaching and still I started teaching, and actually, uh, most of my time more is spent in that space, teaching, training, developing resources. So, yeah, it's a little bit of yeah. a how I got here story. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, for, our, for our church family, you guys would know that our, our, our passion really is to uh, take the whole gospel to, to every sphere of society, make disciples, raise up leaders, plant churches. And I, and I think when we think of that planting churches, making disciples, um, raising up leaders, I think sometimes it, it's a bit of a challenge to think, okay, so are you going to squeeze the counseling component into, into that? And what's really exciting to hear you saying is that you actually see the counseling much more than just, like you say, unpacking someone's story. You're actually looking at that also through a missional lens, looking at that as an avenue into communities as a way of uh, um, maybe catalyzing even church planting in a new, in a new way. Which I mean, we we would just be fascinated to to hear some more during our conference as to how you see the missional component and counseling, yeah. counseling working together. But maybe just um, one or two examples of what lives in your heart around that, and maybe something that you've seen where, yeah, I, like I'm excited to hear what you're saying. Your journey into your destiny actually started yeah. through a crisis, if if I hear you correctly. Yeah, well, think about it. I mean. When, when God knits us together, he had a, had a plan and a purpose for our lives. But we're also born into a broken world. And so often through the experiences of growing up in a broken world, it results in us living with a limp, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, so there's this kind of distorted idea of who we're meant to be, fears, insecurity, woundedness. Which, which generally results in an inability to live in the fullness of what I was originally created for. And so yeah. for me, counseling is not just unpacking a person's past story, but helping a person get realignment into understanding what it was that I was originally created for so that I can live yeah. in the fullness. And scripture is very clear that we teach and counsel each other. And for me, counseling is actually discipleship. I want to bring yeah. it back into the church, you yeah. know, um, Thessalonians talks about may your whole spirit, soul, and body, and that word for soul is actually the word psyche, where the word psychology comes from. And so soul, I think a better word for psychology is soulology. It's the study of the will, the mind, and the emotions. Why do I think, feel, and behave the way I do? And how do I reintegrate that into truth? 
about who, mm. you know, Christ made me to be. So mm. that's a little bit of the kind of, the kind of bringing people back into fullness yeah. of what yeah. it means to be a Christ follower yeah. so that we're not yeah. living with a limp. We're living yeah. accurately in line with what we're created for. Yeah. And I then, know. you know, one of the missional things mm. I've seen over the years when I was running Grace Counseling, um, you know, in, in the early days, we had a lot of churches who were sending people to Grace for counseling because they never had their own counseling ministries. And I would keep very accurate records on who was coming to us for counseling. And in the early days, uh, 50% were from our local church, 40% were from other churches, and 10% were unchurched. And then I thought, imagine if I to empower other churches to start their own counseling ministries, then we wouldn't have to counsel them. Let's see what happens then. And, and we saw a shift in the stats where now 40% were from our local church, 10% were from other churches because now other churches were starting their own counseling mm. ministries. Mm. And 50% of people coming to us were unchurched. Mm. Uh, and this is where we started realizing that people were talking about yeah. the, the, the free counseling they were receiving from church that was really helping. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, one person comes for counseling and they go tell five people yeah. who yeah. are struggling. And suddenly we had a waiting list that we just couldn't keep up with. And, yeah. I mean, and just great counseling now, I think we're about 150 volunteer counselors, wow. seeing on average 100 people a week. Wow. Uh, um, wow. So the potential wow. of serving community Mm. is is totally open for grabs mm. it's really yeah. it's really exciting yeah yeah wow yeah I'm, I'm reminded when you're talking about that limp um you know the the jacob story and and jacob becoming israel and, and so much of his his legacy that's actually been unlocked through through the limp that he had to walk with mm. and how god god transformed him in that in that wrestle and so i think to a very large extent counseling probably would involve Maybe just coming alongside someone or giving someone tools in how to wrestle with God as well mm. as about their about their destiny. And, and I think you know that's something in church that sometimes we we forget that there's a real wrestle uh, on different levels to to unlock your destiny, to unlock what God has has in store for you, and and to yeah. come alongside someone and give them tools uh, to yeah. go through that wrestle. In in your experience or your perspective, what, what do you think are some of the major points that Believers, I mean, we know the church, the world is extremely broken. Mm. Um, and the church obviously reflects some of that brokenness, just people on a journey, mm. um, becoming more and more holding Christ. But what, what do you think are some of the emotional and the mental wrestling that, that, that believers are, are going through, just in South Africa, in, in terms of what you what you experiencing now? I would think isolation, things like yeah. that. But what are some of the wrestles? Maybe just... Um, yeah. One or two top ones that come to come to mind that uh, maybe the pastor standing in the front mm. isn't always aware of. I think I think there's such a stigma when it comes to mental health. You know, research shows us that from first symptom to treatment, most people wait 11 years before asking for help, and it's because well, of a shame stigma. You know, if if a person goes, "I'm a Christ follower, but I'm struggling with depression," then that means I have a lack of faith. Not at all. You know, and, and and so when people are struggling with mental health issues, shame keeps them silent. Lack of resource keeps them struggling. Mm -hmm. And um, and people are just not aware that there's actually a spectrum of resources available. You know, so mm -hmm. scripture says very clearly people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that includes mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there really is a lack of knowledge in terms of what it is that I can practically do 
to take ownership of my emotional and my mental well-being mm-hmm. and how that aligns with theology. Uh, that was one of the things I realized when I first started training, how much theology and psychology intertwine. Um, and scripture is full of it when you understand what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and so for me, a big component of what I'm wanting to empower is, is almost educating people on the spectrum of resources um, and how to close that gap. You know, mm. like mm. If, if I know who Jesus is, then how does this rea- how does this accurately relate to my thinking, feeling, behaving? Yeah. People don't know how to join those two dots. Yeah. So yeah. shame, lack of, 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 of knowledge and, and, um, and a, and a kind of an, uh, like a, an awareness around the spectrum of resources that we can tap mm. into. You know, we mm. know the resources mm. for physical health. Yeah. We don't know the resources for mental health. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's a big, that's a big space. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to our conference because yeah, I think, you know, uh, maybe the opportunity to just chat to hundreds of, of, our, of our friends coming together and, like you say, maybe just shine some light on some of the lies even, you know, that believers believe about what you should feel like, what you, should, you know, those things, if you are a believer, if you are in church, and, and just to break that, that culture of shame. You know, I think that's definitely something which um, I'm gunning for, trusting, trusting God for, but at the same time yeah. to equip our people. Because, I, you know, it is daunting. I mean, if we talk about depression, we talk about, and obviously it's a big spectrum, you know, mm. of, of, of symptoms and manifestations. Um, but, you know, you, you're thinking about um, suicide, you're thinking about self-harm and all of those things. And, you know, where, where do you find that line is between what a normal, if you want to call it that, um, a trained believer can, can do and, mm. and, you know, the referring of that to your more professional mm. people? Because I, I think I read on your website that you yeah. said that it's actually a big hunger need amongst people, not just for the professional help, but, mm. but for, you know, the spiritual help. But at the same time, you know, it, it's such a, mm. uh, a difficult one to navigate at times yeah. uh, that I think yeah. many believers that would say yes to becoming a small group leader or yes to to being in a band would say, man, I I, I don't know whether I could go there. You know, I don't even know if that's allowed for me to go there. Well, let me just go back to the spectrum of mental health. When it comes to physical health, we all know what to say to somebody if they've got a sore throat or, you know, you can go get over the counter medication. You can chat to a pharmacist. You can maybe go see a GP. Um, But the last resource is going to see a specialist. So we all know the tips and tools of basics when it comes to physical health. Okay. Now that doesn't mean we all claiming ourselves to be a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. But we understand the foundations. That's the space that the church can be empowered in. So there's three levels of training that I do. There's what I call self-care tools for just daily application, you know, Mm -hmm. because every depression started with unprocessed emotion. If I know how to process emotion, it's not going to become a depression, potentially. So it's self-care tools. It's community care tools. Most small group leaders are at the forefront of people's stories, but they don't know what to do with them. So a lot of the training I do is how to have an effective conversation with biblical tools of actually how to help people build more stable foundations to their identity when the storms of life hit. So that's community care. And then the third one is what I call pastoral care, which is your informal lay counseling church kind of care spaces. And then your fourth level is obviously your professional care. Mm -hmm. Now, statistically, they say 
one in three at some point will struggle with a mental health issue. But of those ones, only one in four should be seeing a professional. The other three will respond to basic interventions. Mm. So that means if the other three apply self-care tools or tapping into community care resources or maybe even having a conversation with a pastoral care, they will respond well to those basic interventions when they've Mm. got the training, Mm. which Mm. for me is really encouraging for the local church because actually, and it's the same advice that Jethro said to Moses. Remember, Moses was dealing with the needs of the people from morning to night, and it was too much. And Jethro said, you're going to wear yourself out. Your strategy is wrong. He says, number one, you need to teach the people the laws and the decrees. In other words, give them self-care tools. The second thing, he said, appoint people over groups of 10s, 30s, and 50s. In other words, community care. Mm. And then he said, and you deal with the major issues, pastoral care, professional care. Can you see how there was a kind of spreading out of the empowerment? And that's mm. the that's the mm. space I train and 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 yeah. kind of speak into. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely love that. I think that's going to be a beautiful synergy because like we we keep on emphasizing to to our saints, and that is that um the fivefold is there for the equipping of the saints for the work yes. of the ministry. So yes. I think you know that's something which really gets us very excited is, is to see our our believers in the pew, doing family, doing school, doing university, doing work. That's actually a lot of healing that takes place within, within sure. community. Um yeah. and, and I think the intentionality around that and and, and also the confidence um, mm. to be able to engage with each other around that is going to be such a such a big help to to all of us. Um but just in terms of obviously when we say discipleship and we and we 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 look at that from a biblical framework. Obviously, its goal is Christ-like transformation. Yeah. We we, we want to be following what Jesus did, what Jesus said, who Jesus was. Yeah. Uh, how do you maybe from the Gospels? How did you see Jesus, you know, interacting um, in terms of the the holistic healing that he that he ministered? Um, you know, are there maybe some examples you could think of? Just how did Jesus deal with with mental health challenges? Were were there mental health challenges? You know, besides the obvious. Uh, yeah, I mean, think about that. think about the woman at the well. I mean, she she carried huge shame. She avoided social interaction by drawing water in the middle of the day, when most would go in the in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. So there were there were definitely behavioral choices that this woman was making to to show that she was avoiding others. Mm. Um, plus she had a, a crazy history of five husbands and then was now living with a guy. So, you know, Jesus kind of, Jesus shows us very clearly about how if we're turning to creation to get the thirst of our heart met, it doesn't work. But if you turn to creator, a wellspring of life comes out of you. And we saw immediately her behavior change. Once she had a revelation of, of identity in Christ, it automatically has an impact into mental health. Because you see, mental health is not just about depressions or anxieties and things like that. Mental health is understanding why I think, feel, and behave the way I do. Why was she behaving the way she was behaving? Because of an emotion of shame, which is probably linked to her thinking process of, I'm not good enough. Look at how I've lived my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The minute he introduced her to something different, 
she immediately went into, into evangelism. Her behavior changed because her emotion has changed, which wow. because her thought had changed, you see. So that's where it's understanding how truth has a knock-on effect into mental health. But people don't always know how to join those two dots. Mm. You know, Scripture speaks mm. a lot around being transformed by the renewing of the mind. Well, there are lots of tools from psychology that teach us how to do that. Mm. Um, scripture talks about capturing rebellious thoughts. And that word thought in the original Greek actually means a thought with an evil intention. So there's, there's so much in scripture that people are unaware of from a psychological perspective. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a matter of, of, of giving people tools on how yeah. to process that, how to, how yeah. to draw that out yeah. to, to yeah. grow awareness. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, I, th- I think that's so, that's so significant. If, if we look at, at her story, uh, I think, you know, some of us could be focusing on uh, or be tempted to focus on the fact that she had these different uh, relationships, you know, and, and and that has to be addressed. Um, but actually, like you say, there's there's the underlying loneliness, there's the underlying isolation, all of those things that are playing into into each other, and it's really just one thing. And and mm. and, and I think sometimes, um, as as pastors or counselors, even you know, or, or faith community, we we can be running around trying to deal with the symptoms. And what I hear you say is that they're actually wonderful tools out there to help us to not only just get to the root of yeah. things, but to allow people to walk a road of freedom uh, and not just, just into survival and not sinning, but actually into where she ended up yeah. at someone who reached the whole community, <laughs> yeah. transformed the whole community. You know, you made a really great point that you said so often we get fixated in the story and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We think if we fix the story, we fix the problem. Not at all. Scripture mm-hmm. says it was a wise man who, who built his house upon the rock. Okay. The storm still came. The storm is the stories of our lives. The, the focus is not on fixing the storm or the story. Mm-hmm. The focus is on the foundation. Mm-hmm. What are you built on? Mm-hmm. Because what you're built on will determine how you experience the storm. Yeah. And storms don't have the power to define us. Foundations mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that. Yeah. That's what I teach into is actually yeah. it's not it's not about changing the story. Yeah. It's changing the story you're telling yourself. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So that's yeah. The, that, that's the empowerment yeah. space I go to. Yeah. 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 I think if there were to be a title for your session with us, you know, if you could zoom in on that, you know, the foundation versus the storm or something that interplay, mm. because I think that's mm. so powerful. I think it's yeah, you know, even within church environments, so often we can fall into a trap, especially in the Western world, where we, we either want to fix the storm or we want to avoid the storm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really the key is the foundation. Mm. Um, and, and what do you do when a storm when a storm comes at the same time? And how can the church be that safe place during, yeah. during the storms of the storms yeah. of life? So so that just yeah. that, that for me there's such an eye-opener, the simplicity of that concept, you know, between mm. Our focus really is it the foundation mm. or is it the mm. is it the storm around us? Um, yeah. That is so powerful. I, w- I was just thinking, Matt, in your experience, you know, Jesus obviously had to navigate a whole lot of different challenges in that conversation that he had with the woman at the well. You know, obviously, um, as a Jewish man and a Jewish rabbi speaking mm. to a Samaritan woman, I mean, there were so many cultural nuances and challenges and prejudices he had a breakthrough. Mm, mm. Your perspective, you know, um, sort of bird's eye view, 
top level answer maybe to a very difficult question. How in our country, you know, part of our passion really is to see multi-generational, multicultural disciples, you know, raised mm. up in our in our in our church family. In the mm. area of counseling, uh, do you find that different approaches? There may be different, uh, maybe even we can say prejudices or obstacles towards you know, mm-hmm. uh, counseling that, that, is, that is sort of being fueled by cultural prejudices or cultural lenses yeah. through which yeah. we, we look at these things in some areas, maybe even generationally, maybe just yeah. quickly, how do different generations respond to, yeah. to counseling and how open are they and how do different cultures within our South African context? Yeah. Um, because if we look at church planting and making disciples, I think some of those things would be valuable just knowing. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I do think there could be some differences. Yeah. Look, definitely, I've, I've, I'm very aware that the older generations um, have much more of a, you know, suck it up or I'll give you something to cry about kind of approach, unfortunately, yeah. just to emotion, you know, never mind mental health, you know. So there's often the sign of kind of, it's, it's a sign of weakness. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of their mindsets are actually just adaptations because there was nothing else they could do. They had to just cope, you know. Um, yeah. But it had a huge impact on 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 relationships and and, and the safety of relationships as they parented mm-hmm. and then and so forth. And I've also seen, you know, in some cultures. I mean, I know for the, for example, in the Zulu culture, there isn't even a word for depression. But when you think about it, for a lot of people that have grown up in in poverty, you know, it's that Maslow's hierarchy of need. I need to survive. I don't have time to feel. You know, mm-hmm. I need the basics of food, shelter. Um, and water in order to survive. So, you know, emotional health kind of wasn't a priority. It wasn't an urgency. So again, it got pushed aside. So I think those are the two biggies. But the more and more I've been training into the space, I had an opportunity to train a bunch of um, caretakers at a property and, and, and cleaners on the foundations of mental health. And they walked in with a very skeptical, you know, what is this all about? And they walked out literally on cloud nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one lady came to me and she said to me, my people need to hear this because it will break generational cycles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a season in the, in, in the world's history where people died because the doctor didn't realize the power of washing his hand with clean germs, stopping infections. And people died left, right, and center going to hospital because of a lack of education. And it's the same with mental health. So I think bottom tier when it comes to across the board with mental health, I think the biggest thing is awareness. People perish because of a lack of knowledge. When I know better, I can do better. Otherwise, cycles will keep repeating themselves. Trauma cycles, uh, domestic violence cycles, abuse cycles, addiction cycles. People don't know the tools that can help bring freedom. Mm. So they mm. do what they know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Just keep wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow. No, that's that's so powerful. I was um, actually this weekend uh, up in Secunda. Somebody said those very same words, uh, um, just how he was raised with, you know, the very same notion. Uh, don't cry. Or I'll give you something to cry about. And like you said, there was simply just a coping mechanism as well of the previous generation. Now, um, I'm reminded of my own grandfather fighting in the Second World War, you know, seeing things that, um, you know, how do you live with what you've seen in an environment like that? No tools to debrief, no tools to, you know, receive healing and counseling for each generation. And then just, you know, you have to escape some way, form or another. And 
run into alcohol, you know, just to didn't ever get violent or so, but just withdrawn and just lived in that world. Um, mm. you know, no tools. And, and that, of course, has an impact on the succeeding generations in how they handle emotions. Um, but do you think the younger generation coming through, you know, the, um, the Gen Zs and, and all of those guys are much more keen to speak about these things and address them? Maybe there could even be a frustration within church if those things are not addressed and the yeah. youngsters can be looking for other avenues. Well, what sort of in your experience have you, have you picked up in, in that? For sure. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's, I think there's a much more greater awareness to, to mental health uh, and the importance of it. Mm. I don't think they still have a clear idea of where to go because, you know, the, the, the whole mindset is like, well, I can't afford a professional psychologist. So, mm. yes, it's important to address mental health, but I can't afford it. Mm. And suddenly the door shuts. Mm. So, again, I think there's an openness to it um, and much more of a readiness to kind of potentially look for it. But there's still a lack of awareness of the spectrum of resources, you know. So that's where the first level training I do in terms of self-care is just mental health foundations. What is mental health? How do you, like, what are the the vitamins of mental health? (laughs) You know. Um, Yeah. And because then that again just suddenly makes people realize, sweet, I don't actually have to see a professional if I just take ownership. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, uh, yeah. fantastic. So I, I think what are you also saying is there's a window, there's really a window of opportunity sure. as well for the church yeah. to, to be engaging with a generation that is um, mm-hmm. open to their own vulnerabilities and desperate for, for help. Mm-hmm. And to, to actually demystify the conversation. And but I think sometimes when we do put a lot of weight upon mental health, just as um, you know, the um depression, anxiety, diabetic, suicidal manifestations, um, and, and you don't start with a sort of a, a less loaded conversation. Uh, I, I think sometimes we we make it difficult for people to to respond because. If you know, if we just talk about mental health within the context of all of the severe, extreme, final manifestations, it does yeah, become, right. yeah. It does, yeah, yeah. So I think the self-care component is a beautiful one, which um, I think there could even be opportunities for 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 our youth workers mm-hmm. um, to be equipped in those areas at uh, at schools. For sure, for sure, definitely. Yeah. Because again, every depression started somewhere. Yeah. If I cut my if I cut my arm on a rusty nail and I don't treat it, it will eventually have a serious infection that might result in needing amputation. Mm. Now the amputation is where I'm in is the same as the equivalence of a depression. Mm. But if I had treated it when I first injured myself, it wouldn't have got there. Yeah. No different to yes. depression. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that um uh, I don't know whether there are statistics that speak into this, but you know, we obviously know during COVID, um, the hard lockdowns, especially um, the mental health issues just increased. And now that we've been out of that for a while, you know, uh, are you guys able to see a correlation in, is, is there dropping off in terms of, of, of those it's, prices? It's actually increasing. So the World Health Organization, I think it was the 2nd of March, released an article saying that they've seen across the world a 25% increase in anxiety and depression. Mm. Um so they're calling it an emotional tsunami. You know, the problem, the, the thing about any kind of trauma is that often it has like a delayed reaction, you know, because when you're in the midst of a crisis, you go into survival mode. 
Mm-hmm. It's after the crisis that suddenly now you need to process um, and people mm-hmm. find themselves getting re-traumatized. I mean, just think about, again, I got another email today, even today from the school saying COVID cases are going up. People are suddenly having panics. You know, there's like, oh my gosh, is it over? That that fear mm-hmm. of the unknown, you know, all of yeah. these type of spaces re-trigger trauma. Yeah. Um, and if nobody's processed it because they've been yeah. purely in survival mode, yeah, yeah, now it's all coming out. Mm. Okay, um, and okay. so it's not getting better; it's getting yeah. worse. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay, so what you're saying is that as a church, then we should be expecting almost like economic impact that hits you a little bit later. Yeah. Um, that there will still be significant amount of people that over the coming oh, yeah. months will be struggling. Not months, years. Years. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but I also hear you saying is that you know for the Christian businessman, for the Christian teacher, the Christian uh, CEO, there's there's an opportunity also to be engaging with your staff. Yep. Um, around these kinds of things and be looking at what can you put in place, uh, yeah. which doesn't have to be very complicated. No. Uh, um, yeah. You know, sets of of policies and things, but some basic yeah. things that hopefully you'd also be able to. Just point us in the right direction, Matt, um, when, we, when, we, when we have those workshops. Yeah, I've done a fair amount of work um, in business and corporate with staff, you know, just giving people basic tools for just processing, you know, how to create yeah. an emotionally healthy uh, work environment. What does that look like? How do we identify yeah. it when somebody else is maybe red flagging? What, yeah. what, what should we be looking for? So I have done quite a, a number of those kind of training workshops as well. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. We've actually been journeying through Peter Scazzaro's uh, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, Emotionally yes. Healthy Church, Discipleship, yeah. and that's been so illuminating, um, you know, just looking at how often in a busy church environment, spiritual environment, we, we could also be using church, if we're not careful, as as self-medication, For church sure. activities. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have then later on in life, the tragedies happening all around us of, of, mm. of church leaders right towards yeah. the end, jeopardizing the entire legacy. Mm. just because of things that yeah. have been building up underneath the surface. And I think that's really our heart as well, that we really want all of us to finish well and finish strong. Mm. Um, and and if in, in partnering with you and what the Holy Spirit will be sharing through you and subsequent, hopefully, you mm. know, we'll be able to partner with each other in terms of subsequent training and workshops just yeah. to allow people to say, you know, it's, mm. it's we want to finish strong. We want to be able to say like Paul did, I've, I've run the race. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I've completed the assignment that uh, the God has, has given me. Beautiful. That'll be so great. we're excited. Yeah, we're excited to have you, Matt, and want to thank you so much for your for your time. You're and, welcome. Um, yeah, may the Lord greatly, greatly bless you. Um, we'll definitely be engaging with each other. You know, as as uh, the time comes, we're moving closer to to October. Okay. Um, but Matt, thank you, thank you for your your time. Thank you for Looking being with forward us to today. It? Yeah. It's, you, you're most welcome. We hope this conversation has blessed you and that you'll join us on 14 to 16 October in either Pretoria, Somerset West or Swakopmund for Convergence. Registrations open on the 1st of August on our website, shofaronline.org forward slash convergence. You can also keep an eye on our Facebook and Instagram pages by following Shofar Christian Church or visit the website for more information about the speakers and the conference. And be sure to listen to the other episodes in our series of speaker interviews.